Crunchyroll has gone with... Uh, oh, they've picked a much less provocative image for for Super Lovers. It's now just simply uh, text on white background. But maybe they're just I, trying I, to, I would they, have loved to have well, sit in what, on the what, meeting on that one. But what font is the text? Maybe they're just going for Same a... Same font. Oh, I just thought they were going to go for a Viceland thing. Because <laughs> they're also just text on white background. <laughs> that's, so, that's too bad, because I was yeah. really... I mean, if they... Because if they went with the Vice approach, maybe we could, you know, just going to be like... Uh, Action Bronson show, gaycation, super lovers. Just boom. <laughs> uh, just appropriation all the way around. It'd be perfect. <laughs> Blue water dub. It, would fit, it <laughs> oh fits God. in perfectly. Now it's GanCon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they actually dubbed it in Calgary. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, heads up to anybody who works Crunchyroll in this podcast. Please get a dub for super lovers in Calgary for jokes. everyone, welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge, and joining me today is, for the first time in quite a while, actually, is uh, our good friend Carl Olson, aka Ultra Clastron, and this time, you're doing it in person, live at the studio. It, you know what? It inspires a better conversation, just a better conversation overall when we do it this way. I yeah, think. latency, yeah. you know, kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> first off, I have to issue a bit of an apology for something I said in the previous, ep- uh, the previous episode of this Uh-oh. podcast. What'd I, uh, in the previous episode, I spoke ill of the show, uh, DJ Tonkatsu Ag- Agitaro. You blew it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, uh, the first episode didn't grab me, but uh, Carl, you have, you have corrected my course on that one. We've uh, we've since watched two more, and I think I think it's won me we're, over. We're gonna watch more tonight for sure. Yeah, and then I'm gonna try to not be hungry for tonkatsu on Friday. At least tomorrow, like I will get like catered lunch at work. But uh, Friday could could need that tonkatsu again because like seriously, like this the show, like I haven't wanted that in forever. And second, like watching that show, besides how much it makes me want to get a pair of turntables again, also makes me just... Yeah. Uh, Ma- making making me hungry is starting to become sort of a requirement for for shows that I that I enjoy now. I think if this show's about food, if it doesn't make you hungry by the end of it, they probably blew it. Like that's yeah. a that's a pretty big omission. It's like, hey, I know we just talked about food for like Somewhere between seven and twenty-two minutes, and uh, and it's un- if it's unappetizing at that point, I I think that's probably a bad food yeah. show. Well, it's it's funny. Uh, Wakakazaki season one, the the drama is finally up on Crunchyroll. They had season two up for a while. That's now weird. they finally got season one. Well, you know what these you know what these talent agencies in Japan are like. It's it's funny because in the uh, in the in the first season they they kind of show an introduction to when she finds her her favorite restaurant the one she mm. keeps going back to mm-hmm. uh, a few times throughout the show and they actually do a little showcase for that particular restaurant at the end and they highlight the fact that they specialize in whale dishes and just like yeah, oh oh yeah that uh... <laughs> like there's a lot of food like next time i go back to japan there's a lot of food i want to try that i didn't get a chance to try while i was there whale is not on that list <laughs> I've also heard that whales, like, pretty much dying in popularity there. Like, it's a really, it's a forced meme of foods there. Because, like, kids are like, what the, no, no whale. <laughs> well, I'm, the two channers are, I'm certainly pro-whale. I, again, like, I, is, can, can we trust any image board to be fully unironic? I don't know. Like, half of that could just be like, lol, whale, because they know people will read it and be pissed off about it. It's just it. all the, it's like the, 
incredibly violent right-wing nationalism is tied up in all that. Yeah. What a zoo. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad the politics of the West is much more sane. Oh, wait. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Uh, these are laughing, laughing tears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that lake note, what's next up in your agenda? Well, we're gonna, we're actually gonna be talking about KenCon policy, our Canadian content policy today. But, uh, before, before we get to that, there's one little piece of news, uh, I gotta throw out there because we, we haven't mentioned it on the show yet. Our, uh, good friend George Q. Gregg, who is, posts a lot of interesting things on Twitter. I recommend following him if you don't already. Um, but he discovered that, a Canadian network is soon going to be running a mature-ish anime show Ooh. for the first time in, I think, four or five years now. Whenever, whenever Super Channel stopped running, like, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. That's, I didn't realize that was the last thing that aired. I it was, thought it, yeah. that, That's later than I thought, actually. Yep. Yeah, it's it's been a while, and... The show actually is the, you know, remember back in 2010, mm-hmm. Madhouse produced a series of Marvel-based anime. They did, yeah. they did Blade, they did X-Men, they did Wolverine, and they did Iron Man. And the Iron Man anime, uh, the 13-episode Iron Man anime, is going to be running on Canadian TV for the first time. On Family Charged. Charged. <laughs> uh, any family execs listening out here I, I, it's a great name <laughs> hey it's be- better than family extreme which they threatened to call the station twice yipes yeah you made a great decision Pro- family charge of all the networks that that could have started airing anime i think I, I think it would be my third guess the show is debuting actually this coming saturday may 7th at eleven thirty a.m so they're actually running it in the morning which is going to be that's going to be kind of interesting I have, I've only seen a little bit of it. I, I saw like. I don't think it's necessarily that like mature, mature. It, I, I watched two episodes. I didn't see a single thing that would probably need to be edited or, or anything like that. It's listed in the digital guides with a 14 plus rating, which I think even might be, be overkill. Maybe. Yeah. I, but it's it just puzzling that they're even running it in the morning. Like, well, even. Also, it's not even the morning morning. It's like, who at home in that target demographic is is there at 11.30. Like, are they going for, like, hey, I'm unemployed, and all the <laughs> everything else that's on is morning shows. Hey, Iron Man! Like, I, are they, is it the unemployed comic book guy demographic? I mean, co- like, content aside, and, like, I, I think, like, from what I've heard, there's, like, maybe a little blood later on, but it, apparently it's not a terribly graphic show or anything it like that. It would be really weird for anything Marvel made as essentially a quasi-tie-in to the films to get, like, like, anime violent. Like, there's cartoony yeah. violent, but I, like, I mean, well, you, well, you, you look at the films, you look at the big, you look at Avengers and all this stuff, like, there's a lot of destruction in it, <laughs> but they go out of their way, to, like, you never see anybody, like, hurt, hurt yeah. in those, except for the bad guy. So it's like, if that's your denouement, again, the bad guy, as we have established from Disney films, can meet with the most grotesque of fates. Yeah. And it's, it's chill, like, and, it's, that's, that's general rating. And on the flip side, I think a few years ago, Young Justice... I think it pretty much squashed most of the general taboos we associate with, you know, what you can't show in a Saturday morning cartoon. Like the little things, like characters punching each other. Yeah. And like showing a like little bit of blood here and there well, that, and that again. being able to say die and or or just like you know, all those all those weird finicky little things that you usually have to avoid on a Saturday morning cartoon. Well, that's why those... all the Saturday morning cartoons are the things that have taken their place in the in the cultural discussion are all TVPG now because 
You want to, like, Finn has to be able to say, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And he has to actually be able to punch a bad guy. Like, you have to, like, let the, let in the, you know, noodle arm cartoon punches connect. And if that's, you have to give it a PG rating so that parents will be like, now, son, don't actually punch the zombie. One, yeah, you shouldn't. You should obviously shoot them in the head. But two, uh... Yeah, like it's PG is the new G. I think. Yeah, at this and, point. and Adventure Time like, is Adventure Time C eight here. So yeah, yeah. well, then, yeah, and that actually goes goes to show that like there's no there's no standards to these standards and practices. There's exactly. no consistency. Content aside, which I don't think is going to be a really a big no. issue either way. It, it is it is strange that they're running it early because it just by tone wise it seems like something that you'd run at like even just eight o'clock at it night. It seems or something. like it, like I, I, would, I would run it as a prime time because it is. It's yeah. tied into Marvel. Marvel's gigantic right now. Yeah. Run with that. Yeah. I mean, there's also, it also raises the question of why they picked this up. I mean, it, it could be a case where this was like literally the only Marvel thing they could get their hands on. True. Why they would go for this and not spectacular Spider-Man. I don't know. Spider-Man's in, in Civil War. So they could, <laughs> they could use that excuse to run that show. Um, you just want them to run that show. Again. Of course I just want them to run that show. It's the best. I will, I will shamelessly you, you will stand gush that over that show, show every day. <laughs> to, to the bitter end. Anyway, they, they got, they got Iron Man obviously available to them through Sony. And I actually contacted, uh, family about this. They don't, like, Charge doesn't have its own Facebook page or Twitter or really social media. I, I just contacted family and they, they, they got back to me the next day and answered Crazy. my questions. I, I asked them, you know, great that you're running anime. Uh, I, I hope you might consider stuff like, you know, DBZ Kai, the most obvious of obvious shows to run. And, you know, maybe if you want to go, go for, go for an older audience, maybe try something like Attack on Titan. Yeah. Like those are your two super obvious ones. And they got back to me and they, and they did say something interesting. They said they don't have any specific plans for the shows I mentioned, but they do have some titles in their fall lineup that are very similar to the type of show I described. Uh, that's, for you, for you speculators out there, there's something for you to chew on. There Charge, you go. Charge might have something coming in the future that may be worth keeping an eye on. Please send your, uh, charged fantasy schedules to Zon in Canada <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. No fantasy schedules, please. We're above that. Uh, <laughs> shots fired. Ooh. Um, but, uh, but it, I mean, I don't know what it could be. Like, it could be that they just got the rest of those Marvel anime shows. Well, I mean, that would, that would, that would seem like an obvious starting point yeah. in terms of uh, other stuff. So some I'd, of those, want, the, the Blade one, they would have to run later. Yeah. No. Well, it's Blade. If you're <laughs> yeah. going to do Blade right, like, that's like, gets back to this, like, you feel bad for, it's like, Deadpool, Blaze, like, R-rated comic book movies, and there's just a pile of R-rated comic book movies, most notably Blade, because it was actually pretty decent. And you're just like, it's not... It's not that it's nothing new. It's just that they actually managed to make a pile of money doing it. Whereas previously, they, you know, comic book movies were generally, even when a fairly well done, uh, a niche audience thing. It's just yeah. that's changed because all the people who grew up reading comics now kept reading comics this time around, and they're like, now I want to see it as a movie. I was like, all right, we'll do yeah. it. But yeah, so anyway, charged. I think might be worth. Keeping an eye on, maybe something will come of it, maybe something won't. I'm trying to think I, what they would get that is dubbed in Canada that, that would be in the same vein. I was talking to, to Jonathan from I Miss Bionics about it, and we both thought that if you if you want to hear what you know the, the people who think about this way too much the most think, we did throw out World Trigger as a guess, uh, oh. which is 
would not, it, it is not a good show. I have watched a bit of it and it is like, a, I think any animation studio trying to imitate anime could accidentally make something better than World Trigger. I, I, I will, I will, nice. let me put it that way, but it is being dubbed in Vancouver and right. there is a certain subset of fan that w- is going to jump all over anything dubbed in Vancouver. I think that's applies to quite a, quite a few people. So it could did have they, that level of appeal on it. Did they finish up the did. Inuyasha dub and was Final Act dub here? It was, they did finish the whole thing. It took a long time. Then, you know. I'd love to see a Final Act show up somewhere, for sure. I feel like, because I feel like that to me is a thing that's in the DBZ. It's the long running shonen, right? Yeah. Few shonens have run longer, but. Yeah. That one at least was dubbed up here. It seems like an obvious fit. Does have a. As we've established in prior podcast episodes, a fandom. Yes. I don't think we should speculate on this too much. But, uh, you know, if, you know, I, I say follow, follow, follow Iron Man, send your feedback, yep. get charged about it, tell them, hey. Well, to family, I guess, since they don't yeah. have a specific family charge. charged. <laughs> I mean, what I did, I let them know, hey, I was about to dump the package that Family Charged is in on my cable, on my cable subscription. When you added Iron Man anime, I didn't. And if you get more anime, I will, I will keep subscribing. Yeah. I mean, tell them, tell them that. Tell them that your, they get anime. If they get the content that you want, they will get your subscription dollars. And conversely, it's, tell channels that aren't running anime that, uh, you will dump them if you, if they don't start running anime. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it. Um, and also just, you know, tell your friends that is running, spread the word, let them know, just like I'm sure you all do about this podcast. Yeah. And on that note, please. You know, if you know anybody who who would be interested in this podcast, let them know because SoundCloud uh, is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I gotta I, I gotta keep building my audience, and word of mouth is the best way to do that. Yes. Just saying. There was there is one more note. Uh, Viz is up to something. Oh no! Another thing that uh, you know George Q. Greg posted on on Twitter the other day. He dug up a YouTube channel that Viz is running. It's specifically for Canada. And it doesn't look like it's officially launched or is supposed to be accessible, but a lot of the content on there is accessible right now. Mm. And it's apparently a bunch of Viz titles that are available in a download-to-own format on YouTube uh, <laughs> with the same prices that you will find those titles on iTunes. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that they're... Okay, I don't know what they're doing. I can only... We can only guess. But... Considering that this is, this channel is, it's titled Viz Media Canada or something, and then they're not, they're only doing it for Canada, not doing it for the US. It gives me the impression that this is something that they're going to try and launch and pretend that it's some kind of solution for their lack of streaming up here, even though it's just creating the illusion of options because it's basically just the exact same thing as, as iTunes. Well, it's a way of being like, well, I, okay, you don't like iTunes. Well, what about, you like YouTube? What about YouTube, but you pay money for it? I'm like, um, how much for episode? Like, uh, 10 bucks. It's like, I can get a month of Crunchyroll. Yeah. No. I can get, I can get two months of sub only, uh, Funimation. The other one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. Get with it. Again, we don't know what they're doing, but they're up to something. And if they were- Something strange in the neighborhood? Something strange. And (laughs) see, if Viz were to do something like, you could rent an entire season of Sailor Moon, rent access for a certain amount of time, an entire season of Sailor Moon for like five bucks or something. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then it expires after two weeks or something. That would be kind of getting closer to what they should be offering people in Canada. But only giving them a download to own type option. I mean, that's just, that's like saying, here's what we think of your market. Not much. Yeah. 
No, it's they're saying we're a rounding error. Yeah. We're like, oh, you're leftovers. And yeah. like, well, you know what? Your competitors don't treat us like that. And that's why your competitors outcompete you. And if you weren't supported by a multinational on your back end for getting this content, you'd probably already be out of the market. Like, honestly, I honestly think that Viz's behavior has not, has not necessarily been that different to a lot of its peers that failed. They just happened to have the backing of the Jap- of their Japanese parent that's company, really. What that's, it comes down to, pretty much, yeah. Like, as otherwise, like, they should have been, uh, you know, I mean, actually, I'd say the difference between them and Genian is Genian's parent company panicked and Viz's didn't. Because that's certainly some of the inside grease from from the industry yeah. is, is, is said similar. So, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I don't feel like yeah, like I feel like if they had to just actually go at it, a lot of those long running shonen titles they wouldn't have gotten their paws on. Uh, someone else would have gotten it, and the fact that they can't, they aren't in the streaming game, uh, in, a, in an international assertive fashion would be. You know, death kiss, man. That'd be yeah. it. Who knows what's going to happen here, but I think, you know, if, if they think this is going to be a magic wand solution or even just a, even if they think it, it could be a functioning band-aid solution for what's, for, for the big problems in Canada, I mean, mm-hmm. I think they need to have the wind taken out of their sails on this one. I, I say if it, if it does launch, please, like, tweet at Viz and be like, this isn't what I want. Yeah. Make it clear what you want. In the way of access. Well, I mean, and I mean, here's the other they thing. know they know well, that, but they know that they know they, but they don't. But and because the, the fact of the matter is, like, even Funimation puts stuff straight up on YouTube. Granted, stuff that that was long in their license pile. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that Viz has at this point that they could make geo lock to Canada, lock in the ads on it, just so they don't even have to do the advertise. They don't have to do the ad buys because it's it's fun. It's it's all YouTube monetizing this stuff for you, and at least that gives a legal monetized way. Of making this stuff happen. Now, maybe their licenses and the fact that they are so tightly wound with their Japanese uh, parent company screws with them on this. And if so, well, guess what? That will eventually end poorly for them. Because I also think, I mean, you you have the industry, the anime industry itself entering the space with Daisuke. Um, you know, being the only guy on the block without the service or tied to a service with international reach. Like, at this point, I'd be like, even if they put all their stuff up on like Crave or, or what, or, or, or show me or whatever it is, um, that would be a more honest swing at it. Like getting that kind of like, at least matching their Hulu that's licensing. To- that's what they should do. At least, match, yeah, at least match your Hulu licensing to that. And honestly, if you put the Viz library on one of the Canadian services, and this is, this is something the Canadian services need to consider, you get that library of anime. There's a lot of Canadians who are, would not touch you who'd be like, you got me. Yeah. And you'd have them. And you, because they'd be like, oh, Naruto and Sailor Moon, damn it. I'd be more like Monster and Nana, holy shit. And like, yeah, I'd at least, I'd at least buy it for long enough to binge through those, through like the, the gems on the, if, on the Viz, uh, docket. If a Canadian streaming service got the rights to stream Sailor Moon in Canada, they win. Yeah. They are, they win. Yeah. Period. <laughs> yeah. And, and pro, pro tip to show me and crave. Fight for it. Yeah. All right. So for for our main topic in this episode, now, when you look at TV, sort of the situation in terms of anime accessibility on TV in Canada, which, you know, we keep going back to all the time, uh, it's really not that much worse from what you see in other countries, uh, especially other English-speaking countries. I mean, some some stuff occasionally pops up in the UK and Australia. Yeah. I think some stuff is still popping uh, up. America's and, the outlier. Yeah. And that is basically because... Yeah. 
Jason DeMarco and yeah. Mike Lasso. Pretty like, much. We, like, like, you have this incredibly once in a 20 years kind of scenario, just like early MTV was, where it's just like yeah. people, they put people in charge of it that are yeah. special. <laughs> yeah. But despite this, despite the fact that America is in fact the outlier and that, you know, the problems that we have in Canada are pretty common, you see there's a tendency that people in Canada seem to complain about the lack of anime or, you know, a lack of a lot of things, a lot of foreign content on TV, a lot more than you see other countries complaining about it. A lot of these complaints are valid to a degree, but it is, I, I find that it is disproportional, is, you know, as much as I contribute to those complaints I think, a lot I, of the time. But I, I think it's, I think that's a proximity problem. Because, like, you know what, you don't have, you can't just peer over 140 miles away from most of the population yeah. and see it. Well, the proximity plays into a a very large meta problem, which I think can be summed up mm-hmm. by the fact that our locally produced content, our Canadian TV sucks. Television produced in Canada is bad. Our lo- we well, our local cultural content is not good. Television and produced in Canada for Canada, because if yeah. you, the second it's produced, oh, yeah. also for another place, doesn't matter matter whether that's also France or also the UK. Or also America, or also Japan, it, it can edge up a little. Yeah, like you just suddenly they, there's but, a, there's a, there's some outside influence saying like, yeah, I know we're getting a tax credit, but friggin' try. But the well, that's that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even a lot of these shows, even when they get tax credits, mm-hmm. don't actually qualify as Canadian content. Yeah, and that's sort of the problem is that to make something qualify as Canadian content in Canada in almost all cases, guarantees that it's not going to be good. When something that is Canadian content is good, it, it, it is anywhere from unusual to a miracle. Yeah. A, a well, miracle well, being something like Kids in the Hall. Well, yeah. No, a lot of the times it's people who... It is... You get this. You get these scenarios where it's, it's the side effect of an external force. Like, Kids in the Hall gets to be good because you have Warren Michaels sh- just shrouding it from outside influences because he's in a position to be like I ran SNL let him do shit um, and I think the same thing goes for uh, stuff that's like I said it's explicitly produced not for Canada but made in Canada for America uh, stuff like Ed, Ed and Eddie works because Cartoon Network says don't we're just making just go make a good show come back to us with 11 minutes I don't we don't care if all the talented creative people in Canada were able to you know do their thing for this country, and we weren't suffering serious brain drain, I think our cultural broadcast landscape yeah. would look a lot different. Well, no, it, does, it doesn't he, help that every time you have a great stand-up or a great comedic writer, they're in Second City within, you know, just as the second they're out of high school. They, yeah. They're they they're somewhere so in the U.S. It's, again, it's not just proximity, it's yeah. brain drain. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, well, we're, not, we're not only proximity in proximity. For brain drain. Yeah. Like, we don't, like... We don't steal people from the UK or Australia, or very rarely does the US. And I say we, I'm mean, amused by my, my American side here. As an American, we go with just like, what's quick? And, uh, Canada is like, oh, I see you have a John Candy there. Well, and yoink. Well, I see you have, uh, I see you have these other very talented people. And before you know it, like, yeah, they're all in New York City or LA killing it. But unfortunately, if one of those Canadian creators is involved with the show or creates like even the extent of being the main force behind it, still somehow not Canadian content, <laughs> which um, is kind of a shame. Like, I think that might also be an angle. Something interesting happened a couple weeks ago. The, the Ministry of Heritage 
released a survey uh, about Canadian content with that apparently has the explicit intention of changing Canadian content rules. Here's the thing. When I say that, there's a very good chance that a lot of you rolled your eyes. I think we've we've all sort of been conditioned to dismiss CanCon no matter what. No matter whenever someone says that there's a chance to improve it, whenever someone actually has a good idea, even if there is a legitimate opportunity to fix the system, uh, people just zone out because yeah. they they've been conditioned to just not even give it a chance. And like honestly, that is that is a big part of the problem right there. That's yeah. how bad the situation is. Well, it doesn't this help is... that for a lot of people the only CanCon they ever liked is like now decades old Film Board of Canada shorts. Like that's their like only fond yeah. memory of can Canadian content. Otherwise, it's like oh, I got to sit through an episode of The Liquidator before The Simpsons is on. But... No offense to The Liquidator, but I mean <laughs> But but here's the thing. I mean, this survey it is targeted at all Canadians, whether you're just a viewer, whether you're a producer, yeah, whether you're the, a creative. The, yeah, the or, fact that they actually included yeah. creative in this, I wanted to note out the gate, was very yeah. surprising. Like and it's not if, just for yeah. con- the consumer. Very yeah. interesting choice on and, their part. Well, he, well, here's the thing. Creatives are seem to be enthusiastic about it, and I'm sure that the people who are currently making a lot of money off of uh, our many funding organizations are frantically filling it out with their predictable opinions but regular viewers give money please <laughs> it's I, I like i don't know i don't think that regular viewers are going to be very engaged with this because they don't even want to get like people don't even want to give it a chance and that's really fucked up honestly like if, if you think about it but we are at a state in this country where people don't even want to give canadian shows a chance well, because you get tired of, like, here's another crime procedural on CBC or CTV or Global. Global. Or whatever. Isn't Global producing one with Jason Priestley where he's, like, an ex-hockey <laughs> player? Yeah. They're just ticking off the yeah. Canada boxes. That, that's exactly what it is. That's, the, the that's, only, that's only, what CanCon is. It is ticking off the Canada boxes. Which is, that's just, how these, like, that's I, I how think, the funding I, is determined. I think that's the biggest problem is, is there's incredible stories you could tell in Canada. But one, they're the kind of things that if you do tax, if you put tax dollars towards them, some of those stories, you know, are not going to be as fun as, uh, any of the reality stuff, which is very light and very, in very, in its way, very pro Canada. When you run stuff like Border Patrol or, which, you know, is, tries to show how tough Canada can be, or you run stuff where you're following like Liquidator Guy and like, oh, look at entrepreneurial spirit. You don't want it like, it's dull though. Like it does, it's very repetitive, very simple. And you don't want to do the reality show where it's like, here's life on the DTES, because, wow, that would be probably an incredible, like, real, like, if you want to do your procedural, do your procedural with actual Canadian problems, but then you'd have to be, you know, kind of showing on television actual Canadian problems, and it's so much easier to have what amounts to, like, JC, Jason Priestley playing hockey Detective Conan, and, <laughs> except without the charm of Detective Conan, just the proceduralness of it. Yeah. Well, I, okay, I, you say that tax funding is the root problem here. I don't know. Like, I, it, like, I've, it, I've said I that, but I, I don't that. think it's the tax funding. I think the problem is, is that the tax funding comes with strings that lead towards these decisions. The tax funding is not, cause I've seen, I have in full, in full disclosure, I've seen some great, uh, content on much in regards to music videos that ultimately got, have their roots in government grants. Uh, bands like the Ooh Baby Gimme Mores, OB, uh, GMs. Their video was was made by much, and it's exposed people like myself and my wife to amazing new bands that just simply 
you wouldn't have without a CanCon system making that work. Otherwise, the only Canadian stuff you'd see that's even kind of Canadian on much would be Drake, Bieber, and uh, Jepson. And that's, and granted, those are three great exports from this country. Whatever you want to think about them otherwise as artists, the fact of the matter is we have had more of a cultural face, now I'm playing Canadian, uh, than we've had in a long time, like since Alanis Morissette, well, and honestly with better content. Here's the thing, you're... Like, these programs focus on music. Yeah. The rules as they exist now, they work for music. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would make, I think we, I think we even had this discussion before yes. when we had Lance on the show before. We, like, CanCon rules work for music. Like, and, and, and they work for radio. I, you know, they work I, for much but music. But you want to know what? They, I realize why they work, and it's because they write blank checks to kick-ass mans. Yeah. <laughs> and you, it's very obvious that yeah. rarely does CanCon, like, I, the only, the only thing I can think CanCon that clearly did not care about whatever other rules it was given was Pelswick. And that's going way back. Yeah. And but the fact of the matter is like, yeah, clearly they just made whatever show they wanted and just didn't pay attention to anything else because there's no way that you have a show that's kind of openly as politically incorrect running in a primetime slot otherwise. On the other hand, you note that that's really short-lived and nobody's bothered to replicate it here. Meanwhile, procedurals and reality shows keep coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, here here's the thing. It's... To make shows like that mm-hmm. uh, is in the interest of people who have cushy jobs in the bureaucratic positions that crank this stuff out. Yeah. I mean, the the, the system, I don't think that having strings attached to Canadian content rules or funding organizations in itself is a problem. The problem is that the system that we know right now is based around it's creating... Who, it's, it's who's making those strings. It's, <laughs> it's, it's rooted in just simply creating visibility and presence and creating jobs. Yeah. But... Having having visibility, just being there yeah. and ha- and paying people money, that's not going to solve any kind of cultural issues True. at all. You can say that you created jobs, but if you're making garbage TV that people well, actively avoid, avoid, like what's then? There's no point. Well, the you're you're, is, you're killing Canadian culture more than anything. Well, well, yeah, it creates a it creates sort of a self fulfilling prophecy of Canadians not liking their own culture because the only piece of it they've been exposed to. And in a creative sense, uh, in terms of visual media is mediocre. Uh, it's further, um, exacerbated by the fact that we do have an, intre- a tremendous film industry here that's constantly not painting Vancouver or Toronto as Vancouver or Toronto. Even Toronto's better off in that respect. Toronto, Tor- Toronto, yeah. Toronto at least got due south, right? Like they got and, a show. Uh, Orphan Black. And Orphan Black. Yeah. And, 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 uh, but I mean, even. We got Continuum in Vancouver. Yeah. Well, no, like, well, I mean, like, it's bad because even when it's basically supposed to be Vancouver, like, there's, like, there's no way around the fact that, like, Highlander was basically supposed to be in Vancouver, but they're like, we're going to rent all cars with Washington license plate and make up a city that's a combination of Seattle and Vancouver. It's like, that's bullshit. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Just set it, just set it in Vancouver. You know, you're doing every other season in Paris anyways. You've already got your exotic locale. Set the other thing in, you know, good old fashioned Vancouver. It's ridiculous. But I mean, that gets back to this point where it's like the, you know, you will, there are tons of shows like in syndication, um, that have out external influence that have mm. done well. Like, I mean, Galactica was shot up here. Like, there's lots of great shows yeah. produced in Canada. We're totally capable of doing this stuff. We have the creatives here. We have the talent here. We have all the infrastructure here. Like, all the, all the ingredients are here because you couldn't be shooting Deadpool here otherwise. Right? It's just about, Making it avail, you know, it's trying, yeah, and funding people who you're who are going to try 
and who are maybe because they're going to try, maybe be a little well, little, little trickier to how deal with. The try, there has to be risk. There's no, yeah, there's no, no, there's it's, no... it's the risk adverseness. The thing is, is yeah. like you, like it's really easy to give five grand to a band to make a music video. It's way harder to say five million to do a thirteen episode uh, television series. I know, of course, that would be at least that. That would be on the cheap, but. I mean, that's the other side of it. Making making something as good as Galactica and saying, we're going to make this, we're going to fund this so that this is CanCon. We're going to get in on this so that there's here's the rules on it. You're putting up a bit more. You got to be willing to like, I mean, part of it is, that's what I mean by saying, be a little bit more, be be looser with the tax dollars. It's not necessarily that you give it to just anybody, but when you have an opportunity to invest in something quality, invest. Yeah, but you... Don't don't make the cheap reality show. Make but, the much more expensive, but then you can resell. Because I mean, you think about it. BBC has a commercial arm in BBC uh, World. They sell their programming globally. Why? Because they're actually making something worth selling globally. And the CBC could be organized in that fashion. The CBC could have the CBC World arm, and they do in things like radio pro- programming. They run yeah. Q on NPR in the United States, and it runs overseas as well. So there's, I mean, again. Showing that in the audio media, we're perfectly capable of doing this. So why isn't the same? I mean, in, with a visible model in seeing how it's done in Britain with the BBC, it is emulation of that. Like the, you know, it's the, everything is being telegraphed here as to how to make content any, worth exporting. Any, any country with a public broadcaster, you know, routinely puts out better content than what you see in Canada. Well, no, and the fact of the matter is, is even PBS being this loose conglomeration, the thing, the public broadcasting system in America being this very weird mismatch, mishmash of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, WGBH Boston makes stuff that then they sell back to BBC World. Yeah, I actually right? meant I actually meant every country except the United States because well, P- no. PBS is is PBS is assuming, not even the best example. Well, of the but the fact of the matter is, is even but, PBS pulls it off. Yeah. And they, and they're not pro, like, they're constantly under attack, uh, by the organizations that should be feeding it. And even BBS makes content that's of value and is exported globally. We have a much better start in the CBC. All it is is about saying, if you're going to make a show for CBC, make it so good that you'd want to sell it to ABC and the BBC. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. CBC shows in the States. You know, not that we should care where they wind up in the states, but they usually wind up in deep cable. If uh, anywhere, yeah. If anywhere, like the only, I, I don't think anyone's even showing the Romeo section in the U.S. Which I, is I, sad. I, I'm, it's a good up, show. I'm up here, and I'm not sure what that show is. It's the it's the new show from uh the guy who did the Da Vinci's Inquest. Oh. Uh, it's it's good. I recommend it, and it's set in Vancouver. If you don't like slow burn, like drug related crime drama shows, like this isn't going to change your mind. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a pretty gripping, well put together show. I'm glad I got a second well, season. Yeah. No, and I, but that's the thing, though, is, is like I feel like that's the other part of this equation is, you know, if you want to make CanCon work, literally make it work. Like make stuff that you know that you're going to like. The whole idea is. Uh, you may, you may not even be flipping most of the bill from the get go. Like, just like the new Doctor Who was basically pre-sold to dozens of broadcasters globally before it even got off the ground because, yeah. now granted, there you have the advantage of a, an established franchise. But the fact of the matter is, is that even when you're doing something new, um, the CBC, uh, the BBC turns that stuff around really quickly. And honestly, I don't think they necessarily capitalize on it as deeply as they could. I think as you get into the deeper BBCs, there's stuff that ends up you only see it through YouTube. Like you see Charlie Brooker stuff on online when you're like, you should have that stuff at least up there yourself. 
So even the BBC doesn't get it all right, but they seem like a model we could learn from. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure if Canada can produce something that's going to be, or it might take time before you're producing something that you sell so aggressively as Doctor Who or Top Gear or Sherlock. But you have to, that's where you aim. You don't yeah. aim Jason Priestley yeah. well, fucking hockey. <laughs> I, I took the survey and, and again, I must emphasize, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this show, you're probably somebody who should be taking the survey yeah, too. Please, please I, take I took survey. it as well. But they're, they're as a creative. As, yeah. As a, oh, good. Good. You're exactly like, that's exact. <laughs> if you, if you do creative work in Canada, but you don't, if, if you're not getting a piece of the pie, if you're not part of the system as we know it, mm-hmm. I mean, you need to make your voice known as if, like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be part of the system. Why can't you be part of the system? And that actually brings an interesting point up, um, about that they bring up in the survey is that there, there's an, there's an emphasis about use of, of, you know, streaming platforms like YouTube and like, and where, like where you see the future of programming. Right. And uh, I mean, I, whenever I hear people talking about the future of CanCon, there's always seems to be this sort of undercurrent, like, oh, everything, Canadians make is just going to wind up on YouTube or 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 something like that. Yeah. People seem to have that kind of outlook, which I think is. I know I always co- I often come off as like a a big streaming skeptical, but I I think that's a really short sighted way of looking like this all digital future that you want to aim for. But like when you get there, what are you actually going to do? I don't think most of our most of our production companies really know that, and I don't think that it's something that would be wise to trailblazing, but I, I'm kind of worried that when we get new Canadian content regulations, they're going to focus on everyone, you know, everyone, everyone's worried that they're going to be, there's going to be quotas on the internet for CanCon. That's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. It's impossible but to enforce. There, so there's, out. I think there is a possibility that, uh, that a lot of the, like the focus and funding is going to be directed towards online platforms, which I think would be a huge mistake. Um, I think it would depend a bit on how, you, how that was set up. Yeah. I think if part of what they do is, is in terms of funding things, try to think in terms of when we set up funding for this, instead of just saying, well, we've got this and now it's going to run on global or CTV or CBC or whatever, try and, try and make stuff that you can then, okay, maybe you don't sell it to a TV network, but maybe you sell the streaming rights to a Netflix and that gets you your global audience. And, you know, that kind of angle again hinges on you can't make garbage. You have to make something that, can stand up next to being, you know, if you're going to sell it to Amazon, it's got to be good enough to run alongside Transparent. If you're going to sell it to Netflix, they've made so many damn great shows, I'm hard-pressed to pick one off the top of my head. But if you're going to make the content, if you're going to put the money into it in the first place, then say, think about it in as a complete thing that includes how you're going to move it internationally, mm-hmm. of which absolutely... Uh, Netflix would, could be a great part of that. If they're your partner, if they can, if you can make they're your partner as U.S. government or as the Canadian government, just as Netflix is partnered with local production on things like House of Cards and getting tax credits on that. If your Canadian tax credits gets you a House of Cards and gets Emmys for Canadian content, that's great. And maybe that's kind of the thing that you have but- to think of. That's your goal. You've got to aim up. Netflix is an American company. I, I know, but you need, like, this gets to be the other side of CanCon in the modern world. So you can't just be like, oh, it's an American company. Well, then the problem is if you try and make it for Crave, it's going to come out the same way. If you try and, if you try and aim up, and the thing is, is you, you don't, you say it's an American company for the purposes of distribution outside of Canada. 
So you actually get that monetization and you get that goal of making something good enough that it plays outside of Canada. Yeah. It could still be very, and here's the well, thing. I think you can make something very Canadian that plays outside of Canada, but it, it just has to be a better show. Well, that's essentially what DHX is doing with the new Degrassi. Yeah. They, 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 no, like the uh, outside of Canada. Oh, the big mistake they made yeah. was they let Netflix dump the whole thing internationally before or it they, started they, yeah, airing yeah, in yeah, Canada. No, that's a huge coup on their part. Yeah. But. Like, fact, you, you gotta, you gotta Cabinary of the Iron Fortress this thing. You, you, or, no, sorry. You gotta, what, what's, what's the one Netflix has right now? You, you gotta Ajin this thing. Yeah. You gotta wait till it airs in its home country and then dump it internationally. Yeah, no, and I don't think, but I, and I don't think that's a bad plan at all. And I think for, especially as it starts initially for a lot of Canadian content, uh, it airing in Canada beforehand isn't gonna undercut the other partner. Um, and part of it is, is it, if you start, if you create this pattern of making great content and saying, Hey, Canada is a place where you can make these great shows and these great, you know, films that are direct to these services outside of Canada, you raise Canada's profile, you provide, you make CanCon. You gotta, you, you, you can't make CanCon cause you have to make CanCon. You have to make CanCon cause you want to make a good show that happens to be, or, or, or film or whatever that happens to be made in Canada. It's why the music yeah. works. It's why our radio works. Yeah. Legislation and quotas and restrictions. Like you I, can't create, I think you, I, you can, I, you can help push towards that incentive, but you can't create it through those I, means itself. It's, we, but it's, they, it's weird because I think yeah. in some ways you, you could a little, you could say like, look, if we're going to give you the tax credit, you have to have a plan for getting this out. You can't just say this is for CTV. It's like if even if it's CTV mainline doing it, it's like you say you got to have already lined up other deals on this, yeah, for it to be worth our time. Um, partially just to get them in the habit of trying. I mean, it's a way of kind of incentivizing the trying. Is is in a sense, yes, this is adding a new string, but it's a way of saying like, look, if you're going to make this stuff, don't make it because you what you really wanted to do was just buy another uh, bunch of shows off ABC, and we won't let you do that without making this. You there there has it, to be a you more. To, you have to incentivize it from the other angle. Have to put emphasis on. I mean, I, of course, as I was, what I, as I was getting at before, yeah. broadcast cannot be out of the question here. Yeah, broadcast is very important. You cannot deny that broadcast is important. Well, and I, With, and, and I think and, it could and, be and harmonious. I, as and when a whole. I say that, when the, a lot of people think of TV now, they don't distinguish between specialty broadcasters that you get on cable and satellite, right. and conventional broadcasters like CBC and CTV and, and Global. Feel, and, and that I feel is important. That, and I feel it's further blurred here in Canada because so much of how our specialty broadcasters meet their CanCon requirements is by simply re-airing stuff that ran yeah. on our broadcasters. Exactly. Like our reality, I mean, the reality programming being an explicit example of this. You can flip between a half dozen stations and basically watch either Storage Wars Canada or Liquidator Almost all day long. But the thing is that the focus, cheat. The, the focus is diluted. Yeah. You have, like, they're, they have all these CanCon production mm -hmm. and exhibition requirements mm -hmm. for, like, every specialty channel in Canada. Right. They're all filled with the same CanCon and it's all from the broadcaster. With, like, it would honestly make more sense if they just intensified the focus on various requirements just on CTV and Global and the conventional terrestrial broadcasters who who as i as i should emphasize they get like the most eyeballs are still on them yeah. the most eyeballs will always be on them as long as television is a thing and it will be a thing for a long time the discretion <laughs> cable and satellite will not be a thing for a long time but broadcast television will uh okay that's that's what i think maybe you can you can all laugh at me. You're all. I'm, I'm sure many of you are laughing at me for saying that. Hashtag old man Jesse. Post that on Twitter <laughs> right now if you're feeling it. 
Um, but but honestly, I think, I, I think you're right from a general conception conception standpoint. The extent to which linear broadcasting has a reason to exist as a uh, you, you will have it as a broadcast service, uh, just as radio has continued even in spite of uh, Spotify and stuff. And 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 if anything, it will lean. You will you will see a natural leaning in towards the local content because it's something that you can't necessarily do as good through a nonlinear service. That you know that Canadian is 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 here and now has more value in broadcast than it does on cable than it does on cable yeah. and satellite. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there's an aspect of like I said, it's not even so much intensifying the requirements as making sure that the requirements mean something. At the moment the requirements just say, make whatever you want that's yeah. Canadian. You could film a jar of mayo in Canada for thirty minutes. And well, so long there's... as it was Heinz Mayo and therefore Canadian, <laughs> it would be and you had a Canadian camera crew doing it, and it was edited in Canada, that is an entirely valid way to fill the requirement. Um, well, so there, there, you there feel- are some, a few, well, yeah. uh, there are a few onerous restrictions that you're, you're, you're well, I, I know, but, but I, I know there's a bunch of other stuff in there, but the fact of the matter is, none of the requirement is it's good enough to actually sell anywhere else. Yeah. It's a really low hurdle to, to cross. And I think there's aspects to it of offer more, but raise the hurdle. Well, and at, at the same time, like, especially services, cable and satellite broadcasters, mm-hmm. like, there's no point in even really having CanCon requirements on them, in my opinion. We have proven genre exclusivity, which is, yeah. you know, the, the mentality that dictated that every broadcaster would focus on one genre, like animation or sci-fi, and then they would develop content in that genre for a specific audience. That that has been proven wrong. It failed. That's why they well, got rid of those regulations, and they need I, to move I, away from that expectation of being able to neatly fragment audiences that way. The weird thing is, is it would be easier to have that kind of influence through a streaming platform than it would be in linear television. It'd be easier to say, like, look, we'll help, we'll give you tax benefits on your streaming platform or something here in Canada or whatever, or if you're trying to, like, if you're trying to, like, put, you know... Teletoon online. It'd be easier to say, well, you know what, we'll help ha. out. <laughs> if you were trying to do that though, you'd be better off. It's easier to say be genre specific there than I think on cable, because I think on cable it was just way too easy for them to make something that kind of ticked off a bunch of different boxes on different networks. And you already had some general audience networks. The fact of the matter is, is, is your families and these kind of things kind of all slid. It was very easy to, you know, in the U.S., you've had the same, you've had the, without any sort of content restrictions, the generification of cable, where basically all of these things that used to be very specific in cable, arts and entertainment meant arts and entertainment, not a bunch of reality stuff. The Learning Channel meant the Learning Channel, not a bunch of reality stuff. And you can go down this list of things that have either become basically move towards being some version of TBS or TNT. In other words, they're just general comedy or drama channels, uh, not genre-specific stuff. Um, like The only things that have stayed even close to genre-specific in the U.S. are the animation and children's channels. Everything else is just yeah. kind of becoming variations of, it's the same uh, in- uh, uh, of being a broadcast network, at which point, what are restrictions going to yeah. get you? It's the same, it's kind of the same thing in Canada. Like, mm-hmm. Animation's in this weird kind of situation where broadcasters like Teletoon did sort of get something going in terms of developing a house brand and getting some successful content and, produced. And, 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 and content that, you know, Teletoon actually, as much as, you know, people want to like, I don't, I don't dig the total drama stuff. I don't dig the stuff out of that studio. Well, that's what but, put them on the map. So, but <laughs> that's what I was going to say. The fact of the matter is they produced content worth exporting. 
And in fact, Canadian animation, more so than other other things, has produced content worth exp- exporting. Probably because animation in general, it, how how do you how do you get your fingers in there to do it weird? Yeah. How do you get your fingers in there to to ruin it? And it's just guess what? That's already in its own process. It's out of the lane where you can sort of and also it requires so much effort to do animation yeah. that half-assing it and making something that's completely just unsellable in a global sense is kind of rare. Like, I feel like if you're going to go put, if you put that, if you're putting that much effort in at all, somebody else is going to glom onto it. Um, and I think we've had, I, like, there, there's an example of everything did actually kind of work out. And honestly, it's weird because all of the sci-fi stuff that, is being well, most of most of the sci-fi channel originals have been shot up here. Um so again, very specific genre stuff can totally work up here. And maybe that's part of the problem is just saying like, look, if we'll give you this tax money, you have to like you have to target this zone. <laughs> um with the idea being that like you 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 can't say you don't have an export angle on this. Like you you have to come with a come to us with this because we know that you can put it through this genre network on another in in another country. So that's maybe another option. Like, I also yeah. feel like there are, there's, uh, there, there are types of things where it's like your nature programs, your, your wildlife programs. Like, these are things that you can shoot in Canada and export. Like, there's, there's no reason you can't do these things. And to an extent we do, but I don't feel for being one of the largest land masses on earth, we do a great job of. Like, we don't export that stuff as much as you think. I mean, we've got, and I've seen great stuff on knowledge and I'm just like, how is this not just being resold as like, if nothing else, like late night stuff for like public broadcasting in the U S like there is, I think part of it is, is maybe there is an aspect of in terms of how streaming and what the future of CanCon uh, incentivizing good CanCon is, is saying like, make stuff that people m- make the people who are making it think about, well, are we going to just, is this for Canada or is this showing Canada to the world? Yeah. Well, here, Maybe here's the biggest question of all. Can Canada, do you think Canada would ever be able to produce something that would make anime fans happy? Um, <laughs> we have an incredibly, t- like, could you, could you do a Scott Pilgrim animated series in Canada? Yes. We have the animators. We have obviously the creators. I think, I think that ship has sailed. I know, I know it's long <laughs> since passed, but the fact of the matter is, is if you had done that in 2007, mm-hmm. hands down, you would have made it work. Like, it's just about letting, and the, the people who can do all of the stuff that you need to do for that, the people, the, the storyboarders, the, the animators, like, you don't even have to export tweens overseas. You can do the whole damn thing here. But it's about having, again, the vision to say, make something that isn't just, you know, hey, what's in the storage locker? You gotta, you gotta have a little bit more. And, uh, and, and that's actually a great example of, like, the worst shit that we do are these, transparent clones of an existing format. Wipe out Canada. Like, I love Jonathan Torres, but that's bullshit. <laughs> right? You, you know, I, I, gotta, I, I do have to say, one thing that impressed me was, did you say, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the Adult Swim infomercials, but they did, they re, one of their most recent ones, I can't remember the exact title, it was basically a parody of like a early 90s Canadian straight-to-TV <laughs> movie that was Christ. set up. And, and crunch down to 11 minutes. Uh, maybe the fact that there's something that they could grasp onto and emulate there means something about the way we do things. Well, but. I mean, I think there's also, I mean, you take a look, I mean, and actually getting back to animation again, it's like, Night Sweats is something that, like, 
I don't get why, like, the only thing that that's missing is an export plan. It's a little complicated, I think, because of the shorts. Yeah. But N- Night Sweats is one of those things that I'm kind of surprised was able to get made because it is, it's a subversive show, and it seems like subversive content is what has the hardest time I've, getting off the ground the in a highly is, bureaucratic The weirdest system. thing is they were probably able to point to subversive content in the U.S. and say, well, we'll rip that off. <laughs> and no offense to those guys because they're fantastic. They're making a fantastic show, but it's probably it's probably the pitch that you have to make is like you. The only way you can make weird content is then probably then kind of contextualizing it as like, okay, we're gonna do this repurposed footage show where we're taking old uh episodes of some rare CanCon show, but it's cool because it's like we made Canadian Sea Lab 2021. You could do that. Why haven't they done that with Rocket Robin Hood? Uh, like that's like <laughs> of like you could go down a list of Canadian shows yeah. you could do this stuff with like. I mean, you like just parody dub spider writers. <laughs> like, I, think, I think it's too soon for that. Uh, I'm uh, apologies, fans of spider writers. You ha- you have to apologize. I know I that I, the hard way. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing is, just like there is. Uh, I mean, at this point, there is stuff that was kind of fondly yet ironically, <laughs> ironically remembered that could be, you know, like all the like I said, all the materials here. And I, like I said, I think the biggest thing is, is I feel like a lot of these guys just don't have the export plan. Like they don't think, and and by 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 which I mean, either two networks or two international streaming. And I think part of that is, is that yeah, they're just trying to limp through and and make something that that checks this box on their on their broadcast network. And I think you need to sort of, I mean, if there's if there's a string to attach, it's like you're absolutely welcome to sleepwalk through it, but you'll get a lot more money if you actually bring us a big idea that you that you've already got a a resale lined up on because then we know that by virtue of being this more intense production you actually did create more canadian jobs and you raised our image virtually because if you made a great show and at the end of it is the the made in canada tax credit or the ontario tax credit or whatever you won't feel we won't feel embarrassed when we see that anymore well no it's not only (laughs) issue not making canada feel embarrassed turn that into a sign of quality. When I see the made in Georgia's uh, tax credit on the end of anything, usually that shit kicks ass. Uh-huh. Like that's at the end of Archer. That's at the end of a lot of other great shows. So it's, you want those things to be a sign of that. And I think you kind of have to say like, look, if you want, we'll, we'll give you more, but you got to make it something that you could actually sell and prove it, prove that you've already got these other people lined up. It's not, I don't think that's that big an ask for literally broadcasters. That's the shit that they do. <laughs> Fill out the survey. Fill out the survey. <laughs> and tell them to like, you know, do what we just said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Why, why won't Canada be great, Jesse? <laughs> who, who will make Canada great again? Oh. Trudeau? Uh, no. Alright, that's all for today Big thanks to Carl for stopping by And of course, for making the awesome theme song for this show Which can be found on his album Packet Flood You can purchase that at ultraclystron.com If you're looking for the survey that we mentioned about CanCon in the show today You can find it posted on the Zonan Canada Facebook page And the Twitter, at Zonan Canada Make sure you follow the show on iTunes or your podcast app of choice And of course, if you know anyone who might enjoy this show Please be sure to spread the word See you again Bye